So basically, this notion of helping you when you need it most and knowing when to help you, it's really key to that intelligent part of the cognitive assistance. So there's a certain degree here, I sense, of the other side taking some initiative in order to help you. Sylvan, can you expand on that from your perspective again? What is new? I mean, Valerie made a very good point here. Are there other things that our audience need to know that we are witnessing some kind of a revolution in the way we think of technology to help us? I would say so. Traditional HCI design is looking at interaction affordances. So, for example, graphical user interfaces or tactile interactions or audio, oral interactions, and sometimes even smell or taste interactions. But all of those have some form of a physical embodiment, the way the interaction between the human and the machine happens. To me, cognitive assistance go a step beyond, and I'm going to use a big made-up word here. I consider them to be at the cognosomatic level. That means that they produce interactions that are both at the cognitive level, so the cogno, and at the physical totality of the human user, that's the somatic part. They account for both what the human can see, hear, touch, etc., but also what they think, what's in that context in the brain of the human, what they want, where they want to go, what are their goals and objectives, and how they go about that. So if you think, for example, about Siri or Alexa, those are called assistants, but to me, those are not cognitive assistants. Because if you ask them, for example, what time it is, they will both respond very accurately. Or if you set up an alarm in advance, they'll be reactive and they ping you when you have requested them to alert you. If you type in a search, for example, in their visual interface, they will give you a series of answers. And oftentimes, pretty good answers. They're getting better and better. But none of that actually touches the cognitive level. They have no clue why am I asking for a reminder? Why am I asking for certain kinds of questions? So the opportunity loss here is that Siri and Alexa could actually provide me better answers or very different kinds of answers and support if they knew the reason behind I was asking those questions. So when Val talked about force multiplier, Siri and Alexa could multiply my impact in the world by actually giving me better support, maybe slightly different from what I've asked for, but understanding and contextualizing what I've asked for, for better outcomes. So in that sense, the human-computer interaction goes beyond the traditional design, which is quite transactional in nature, to focusing, as you said, on the context and the totality of where we are and where we want to go. Does that make sense? It makes sense. It's also, I'm sure, sounds a little bit like science fiction for our audience, which is good because we're getting paid <laughs> to work on this science fiction. But what does the theory of Alexa of the future need to know about Silva in order to be able to understand the why or to answer the why is he asking me that question or even beyond that to provide you with information before you ask for it, because it understands that you may need that information today. What do they need to know about you? That's a great question. And really, that is at the heart of the research we're doing and the prototype development we generate to identify what are those pieces of information that need to be in that cognitive assistant so it is able to provide that kind of advanced augmentative support 
so far, what we're really focusing is context in a wide encompassing definition of what we mean by context. I can summarize it usually into three buckets. Number one is what is the user trying to accomplish? What are the goals, the objectives? What's the end state? What do they consider to be success for them in the situation they are currently at? Not in a generic way, but for the specific situation. In bucket number two, it's more about the processes, the missions, the methods that they want to employ to reach those goals. So think about your own work in everyday life. You always have certain ways of doing things. What are those? How do we know that this is what we are using to accomplish those goals? If the cognitive assistant can help that, it can provide a more granular support at every step of the process, every step of the way, getting to those objectives. And bucket number three is about the tools and capabilities to accomplish the processes and what are the, the contributions or the impact of those tools and processes and capabilities in reaching the goals. Think of it as the various levers and knobs and things you can parameterize to make your tools and your capabilities actually in the service of reaching a goal. Once a cognitive assistant has an understanding, even if it's very basic of those three types of things, then we can start actually building the AI, the models, advanced interfaces, where the system will be able to support you at a very precise and helpful level. I just have a comment. I think we need to simplify um the cognitive assistant, so that we can actually get some technology out there to the warfighter that will provide this support. You know, maybe an incremental development process where instead of trying to get to that full understanding and reasoning, we just get a cognitive assistant who can help me with some of my mundane tasks. I can think of a time when we were getting ready to brief a general officer and I'm sitting there trying to plot ranges of ISR capabilities and figure out placement of orbits and tracks instead of focusing on the message that we needed to provide the general. And to me, what I was doing, I remember thinking when I was sitting there, why can't automation do this for me if that cognitive assistant could see me do this task three or four times? Why can't he then pop in and say, hey, let me take this task over for you to free you up so you can go think about something a little bit more important. And I just think if we could start there, you know, maybe it's not quite as cognitive as what Sylvan's talking about, but it's certainly extremely helpful to the end user who's in the military. Thank you for that example and that clarification. I think it's okay for the audience to understand that this continuum of sophistication regarding those cognitive assistants is there. Some of it is really researchy in a sense that we are still exploring. And some of it is actually ready for prime time. Valerie, I have actually the mirror image question for you. I asked you earlier, so what does the cognitive assistant need to know about us to actually perform all these wonderful things that we wanted to perform, that anticipation and that depth of understanding of my need as a human, as a user. What about the reciprocal question? In order for us to use those cognitive assistant, or maybe not use, maybe they will be offended if I say that verb, but maybe collaborate with those cognitive assistant the best, 
what do we need to know about them? You talked earlier about the ability of those cognitive assistants to explain themselves in terms of AI. You use the term mm -hmm. explainability, I believe. Tell us a little bit about how that works. Does a cognitive assistant need to explain what it does in order for the human to use it better? So for AI explainability, and I'll just talk briefly, we had a project that we were working with, the Air Force Research Lab, related to distributed operations. And as part of that project, we developed some AI explainability capabilities. So what happened on the project was you had distributed nodes who would bid on tasks to figure out who the trade-off of who could do what for resource task pairing. And some of these nodes were connected with comms and some weren't. And so as a user, you could get the printout of, okay, here's your allocation. You know, here's your resource to task pairing, basically the answer. But as a user, if I want to go in and understand, well, why did you pick this resource instead of that resource? There needed to be this idea of AI explainability. And so we developed a means to drill down and there was actual text that would say, these are the nodes I talked to. And this one couldn't do it for this reason. This one couldn't do it for this reason. So we went with this node solution. And as a user, that was really important to be able to understand how machine came to their answer. Now, that's great if you have just a single thing that you're looking at. I think the real difficulty, though, is when you try to scale. And so for the cognitive assistant to be able to render information in a way that highlights there may be problems or highlights where I might want to drill down further to that actual text would be really beneficial, I think. So I think the idea of AI explainability is building that trust in the system. And so as an operator, I want to be able to basically test my cognitive assistant to make sure they're doing what I intended them to do. Or maybe they're doing something better, but obviously I want to make sure they're not doing something wrong because that's going to create a problem for me. So I look at the idea of building uh, trust in the system as essential, and that comes from AI explainability, and it comes from three basic characteristics that the cognitive assistant needs to add to my job. You know, it needs to be timeless to my workflow, right? So I don't want to be jarred every time there's an update that makes things take longer for me. The cognitive assistant has to fit into my workflow. If I have to pull out a checklist for the buttonology every time I have to use this cognitive assistant, and I don't want it. It's not intuitive. So the cognitive assistant has to be intuitive to me. And then if the cognitive assistant makes work for me, then I definitely don't want it. And so the cognitive assistant has to be productive. And a case in point, this frustrates me to this day, and it happened probably 20 years ago. I was working at DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, and they gave us a new link analysis tool. And it was supposed to make our job so much easier identifying where the vulnerabilities were in these, I was a counter-drug analyst, so in these drug trafficking organizations. And so we would spend hours inputting the relationships and nodes and 
whatnot to be able to get the software to work. And ultimately, <laughs> it would dump our data. And so all of that time spent entering the data was lost. And that was really painful and non-productive. So for me, I didn't want anything to do with that software. And so for a cognitive assistant, I think to be valuable has to have those three traits, timeless in my workflow, intuitive and productive. And that spells out tip. I call it the tip rule. Thank you. This is a great tutorial on understanding really what it takes really to engineer those systems so that they are useful 